imagine actually having a team of Galton, Miedema, Russo and Black Sunnies together. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I suppose 90 second minute, I've never scored a 90 second minute winner, I don't know what it feels like. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Stephen, can we hear your dulcet tones? Uh, unfortunately, I think you can. Yeah, <laughs> we're all go. good. We're all good. So, how are you picking this team? So, a couple of weeks ago, I said that I want to try and get a, sing- uh, a player from each team in, well, in into the starting fifteen. Uh, th- that's now done away with because I just couldn't bring myself to put any of the any of the English in <laughs> in the fifteen or even or even in the replacements bench. Um, and also, there's a couple of uh, Italians that are fighting their way into the in, in, if if not the starting fifteen, at least on the on the replacements bench. Um, then they needed to play. Uh, last time I said they needed to play a minimum of eight, of seventy minutes over the first two rounds because obviously two rounds you can't really have too much more than seventy minutes. Um, but now I've, I've changed that. So they need, needed to have played at least three games in some capacity. Whether they start or started or came off the bench doesn't really matter, as long as they were involved in three games out of the five. And then I could also, um, because it's my team, I could move players around if I didn't feel like they were in their best position. Or at least how I would want to play them by their coach. So, for example, if you've got a an outside centre playing inside centre, I would be happy enough, provided that they've done so beforehand. So, you couldn't take Tyg Furlong and put him to fly off, even though I really, really wanted to. <laughs> you are still taking up the rules of rugby union and uh, completely ripping them up, as we'll discover in the back row once again this time. Do you want to take us through your front five first of all? So last time I got a bit of uh, slack from people on, online that I didn't have too many uh, French uh, forwards in, in, in the squad, uh, mainly because after the first two rounds they were looking very one-dimensional, um, which they were. I, again, I was just on the two rounds, not so much the, the history. They were looking very one-dimensional. So I'll start off with um, the changes that I've made. I've got uh, Cyril Bay, Julian Marchand and uh, Winnie Antonio as my, as my front row, the, the Grand Slam front row. Then I've put in Paul Willemser and Tyg Byrne as, as the second row. The, the obvious question I have here is that, that France front row. If, if you, you can put on your South Africa hat here, no problem. Are you, are you looking at them cowering in fear or are you saying to yourself, listen, no one in the Six Nations worries us? Uh, well, as, as a South African, uh, it's difficult to, to be overly concerned about any front rows coming up against South African front rows because... We have the two best front rows in the world uh, in, in our starting front row and our, and, our, and our bench front row. However, this um, this French side is terrifying purely because they have a combination of exciting backline and that front row. And that front row it does does worry me a little bit as a as a, as a neutral. Um, Winnie Antonio is probably the most. Uh, Athletic, 145 kilogram player you will ever meet in your in, in your entire life, and um, the the way that the, that that front row scrums is uh, it's pure and utter perfection. Like their, their technique is not just pure pure domination and physicality. There's also a um, the way that they, they how tight they are um, together, and the way that they. Manipulate the opposition scrum. The, you just have to look back at what they did to Tyg Furlong, and uh, if I remember correctly, Porter was in that game against France. Mm. Um, that was the start of why Tyg Furlong is not in my in, in, in my starting front row anymore, 
because you can look at, you can look at England and the whether or not Ellis Genge was scrumming illegally. We've we've spoken about that on the show before. Um, the cracks in Furlong's scrummaging game were seen a week earlier against or two weeks earlier against France. That's true. I think that the whole kind of talk about the, um, the refereeing only came up after the England game, whereas after France it was like there are quite a bit better than us aren't they so uh, that's fair enough uh, just one quick sidebar uh, on this and then we're going to get to the backs in a sec so you're saying that South Africa have the two best front rows in the world how many South African backs would get into the French back line oof um, I would probably argue three okay with Chesden Colby Lucanio Am and uh, actually, maybe just maybe just the two of them. Just the two of them. My okay. my pimpy would be a good would would be diffi- It would be difficult to throw in my pimpy in place of um, Villiers or Pinot, but he would be fighting his way in. Um, but that French backline is terrifying. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I presume it's going to be a matchup that we we will see at the the World Cup next year. It's going to be really really interesting. Um, the back row. Then this is if you didn't see Stephen's first team, he picks two sevens. That's that's the way that's the way we roll in this team. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm uh, technically I've got four uh, four in my back row because uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't split uh, Hamish Watson and Rory Dodge. They're basically the same person, and um, they actually I've got a bit of a Scottish Scottish bias apparently by the looks of things. Um, no, th- when they play on the same team, they remind me of Michael Hooper and David Pocock when they were playing together for Australia. If the ball goes down anywhere near them, um, it's a tur- basically it's a turnover to to Scotland. Uh, then I've got Josh van der Fleer as my seven. Obviously, we can't get we can't get around Josh van der Fleer. He's been one of the best things in a green jersey for, the, for uh, this year. The only the, the only thing better than him has been Tyke Byrne. And then and then even though in the last two rounds. Um, Aldred couldn't catch COVID if he if, if he wanted to. I, I still I'm, I still think he's the best eighth man in the world, and yes, that includes Dwayne Vermeulen. I think um, Gregory Aldred is probably is without doubt the most physical, most dominant um, eighth man, at least in, in the Six Nations, and will give will give a, a, a Dwayne Vermeulen or a Kier, uh, well no, no, not not Kieran because he's retired now, but um, wh- whoever runs out at eight uh, for for the All Blacks this, this year. Aldrich would, would would put up a good fight against them. So um, that's my back, my my my, my back row. Uh, I've, my, the only Welshman um, that I could fit into the into the tight into the forward pack were on the bench uh, with Adam Beard uh, getting replaced by Paul Willemser uh, purely because um, Wales ha- Wales pulled in it- pulled in Italy over the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Talupe Felital has been one of the surprise packages for Wales coming back and just looking like he's never missed a, missed a second in, in, in a red jersey. So those, those are my, uh, my, my Welsh contingent. Give us your halfbacks then. Um, no surprises really. Anton Dupont, World Player of the Year, uh, best number nine in the world. Um, cannot, cannot fault him. Um, one thing that I would be interested to see is how he plays up against a or plays with a pack that's going backwards because obviously the French pack never goes backwards um, we've seen it every now and then in the top 14 where he, he, um, he hasn't been the most yeah, obviously with the, the way that the French 
the French top 14 works, um, you, you, you're not always going to be moving forward. As, uh, but that's a different level to international. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see how he goes against, the, uh, against, say, the New Zealand or South Africa, where they can put the, the, the pack backwards. And then um, Romain Intermac, uh, of course, been the form fly-off in uh, Six Nations this year. Uh, he's played the most rugby, and he's also just been phenomenal. Uh, I, know, I know I've said that we're not looking at any form before the Six Nations, but anyone that can receive a ball in your own dead ball line against New Zealand and have not only the cojones to run it out of your own dead ball line, but successfully do it and make 60 metres, deserve to be in any starting lineup. That's for sure. So, uh, no Sexton or Smith here. What's what, like? Not that anybody expected them to be here ahead of... Uh, well, sorry, I should say that, that Bigger and Garbisi are your replacements. Sorry, so I mean, no Sexton or Smith on the bench ahead of those guys so give us your thought process there well so, so as, as I mentioned earlier the, the, Italy um, if, if I was picking this team this time next year Paolo Garbisi would be one of the three potential Italians that would be starting um, he's been phenomenal and he was a, a large part of the reason why Italy actually got their first um, win in seven years against Wales and then uh, apart from that Italian performance uh, the performance against Italy Dan Bigger has been uh, brilliant at controlling the game and his tactical kicking has been second to none and th- the only person better than him under the high ball is Hugo Keenan um, Marcus Smith has been a he's had a good Six Nations and the number of player of the matches that he's won would suggest that he should be in this team however I don't believe he deserved half of the um, play of the matches that he got, not because he didn't, des- not because he wasn't uh, playing well in those matches, but I think he wasn't the best English person on the pitch at the, in, in those matches. So, for example, Mario Toje deserves at least one of them that, that uh, Marcus Smith got. Um, so, again, like like Garbisi, if I'm picking it next year, it'll be a fi- it'll be a fight between Smith and Garbisi. Smith isn't the complete package yet; he's still still developing his role as the leading that that English backline. So it could be a, a little bit longer before we see him in a team of the tournament. Um, and Johnny Sexton, uh, you, I'm probably gonna I probably should not uh, walk on the streets of Dublin after I say this today. Um, I don't see Ireland winning a World Cup with Johnny Sexton at ten anymore. Uh, he's uh, he doesn't play enough rugby, um, and you, obviously we need to manage his minutes. We need because he's he's going to be thirty eight in, in the next World Cup. But when he, I, I mean he, he, when he has played, he's been playing. He's played really well. Typ- uh, typical Johnny Sexton, mm. but um, it's difficult to see him playing consistently for the entire group stages, then on to the quarterfinals, and then into the semifinals if, if Ireland finally breaks the semifinals. How big is it, the a bigger thing is that for Farad, where it's like, well, we need to look, think of the future here. We need to make that move. Like Yes, and with, with, with the likes of a Joey Carby, if you can't back him to, to beat France, then you can't back him to get you to a quarterfinal. Mm. You need, you need, Sexton needs to start... Somebody needs to obviously get the, to take the jersey off Sexton, but Sexton also won't be the one holding on to the jersey, in my opinion, to get uh, to, to get Ireland to to a final. And, and also, as well, when you talk about that, uh, the, the schedule as well. Um, I know we're getting to the minutia here. Is 
uh, the, the last two games of the pool for Ireland are South Africa, then Scotland, and then a quarter final, all going well. Now, the thing is, they have changed the format of the Rugby World Cup where there is a week off in between South Africa and Scotland, so he could play both of those. But then it's Scotland and potentially a quarter final. Like, is that your point essentially that it's just how robust he's going to be that, that you can't see him playing all those games? Or have you actually seen a dip from Sexton that gives you cause for concern as well? I, I haven't seen any dip at all, but the problem is, is I've seen that he's played almost no rugby this year. It, you, you can count on one hand how many matches he's played for Leinster, and even in the Six Nations, he didn't play. Uh, we didn't. There, there was gaps, and he didn't didn't start every match. So he's not getting the consistent game time that you want him to get. And remember that in a World Cup, you're going to have the likes of. Hamish Watson and Rory Dodge gunning for him every 10 seconds. You're going to have, against South Africa, Quokka Smith is going to be going for him, Peter Steff toy. You're going to have so much attention on the 10, and the way that Sexton plays is he, he attacks the game line so well that he puts himself in the position to get absolutely hammered. And against the best teams in the world, when he gets hammered again and again, week in, for, the, for six weeks in a row... It's going to take his toll on 38 years old, and he's going to need to take breaks. And if you don't have an actual, a, a fly-off that can take those hits week in, week out at 25, 26 years old, it, I, I struggle to see how Sexton will be fit enough at the end, come the end of the tournament to actually win and, and lift the, the Webellis Trophy. Yeah, I think there's a, a real real case to be made that, that Carberry should be starting at least one of these tests this summer in New Zealand to try and remedy that. I think you should start all three personally. Yeah, um, interesting. Uh, take us through the, the back line then, uh, the rest of the backs uh, from uh, 11 to 15. So, Mac Hansen keeps his place. Um, I don't know why he was dropped for, for England at all, to be honest with you. I think he's been, um, the, uh, he's been a great, uh, great find this year. And he's been, it's not just the work he does on the ball, but it's the work he does off of it as well. He's always looking for, um, he's looking to be involved, not only on attack, but, all, but on defence. And the way that he gets involved in the... Um, dummy running and sort of drawing drawing phases away from uh, the actual attack. Again, I've got a bit of a, a Scottish uh, lens here because I, I think Chris Harris has had a fantastic Six Nations myself. He's um, he's got a reputation for his defence and his ability to um, to stop stop a, a, a an attack coming on uh, coming over the gain line. But he, I think this this year he's also um, developed that bit of attacking flair into his game. We all we can remember that um, if it weren't for a slightly suspect pass, granted the movement was started by Duane van der Merwe, um, Chris Harris did a, a huge amount of work to to break free against uh, was it France, and then the suspect pass to Stuart Hogg went, didn't didn't go to hand. Um, I think he's done again. It's his work rate off the ball as well. He he rucks well. He's involved in the turnover game, and he's been really good for for Scotland. Um, the reason why there's no Frenchman in the in the inside centre as well is because they haven't figured out exactly who their centre is with Jonathan Dante or um, Morfina. Mm-hmm. So because um, the Galtier hasn't uh, nailed on his twelve, I haven't nailed on his twelve either. Okay. 
Um, but Gael Fiku uh, maintains his, th- his outside centre spot. He's been phenomenal, as, as they all have. But um, what's particularly impressive is the way that an inside centre by nature defends the 13 channel with an 80, 87% success rate. No, it, like the, that 13, the, the, Brian O'Driscoll will tell you that 13 channel is probably, probably one of the most difficult to defend. And um, moving from 12 to 13 and, make, and keeping those, the, the, that sort of percentages against the likes of a Gary Ringrose or uh, wh- whoever England sets out and um, Chris Harris, etc., etc., there's a, th- there's a skill level there that is just next level. He's also very physical and he's got that speed. Um, again, Gavin Villiers is, is, is stays in uh, with the n- notable replacement of uh, De- Damien Penau. It's difficult to to separate any of the uh, French the, the French wings. If I if it weren't for Mac Hansen, I'd start Penau and, and Villiers together on the wings, and um, they'd try scoring machines. Granted, they do have the the luxury of, of playing outside Anton Dupont, which um, is any any wing would love, but. Um, He's been he's been fantastic, and then Hugo Keenan, the most consistent man in Irish rugby. Uh, I don't I don't think uh, he's dropped a ball all season, and um, it's diff- yeah it's it, it was difficult to we we, we had this discussion about uh, Rob Carney who's going to replace him. I don't think there's been much of a drop off at all, and in fact I think Hugo Keenan adds a bit of uh, atta- counter attacking flair and a bit of a sort an attacking nature to him that. Connie never had, so he's actually looking a little bit more exciting. And probably, if he stays fit, and unless somebody can take it off of him, like a uh, Michael Lowry, I think he might actually have a better career than than Rob Connie. Right, he is amazing. In fairness, that is high praise though for Hugo Keenan. Um, good reaction, uh, Adrian on YouTube. It says first time I've ever heard Irish will be analysed rationally on Irish radio. While Dave says, but Ireland has the best front row in the world. The over hyper. Told me so. Name names, Dave. Certainly not know anybody on this show. Definitely not. Richard Redball says the Sexton problem is waiting to happen when we went with him as our starting ten after the last World Cup. Very quickly, Stephen, before we let you go, would South Africa beat this Six Nations team at the tournament? <laughs> it's a difficult question, actually. It depends on uh, the style of play that South Africa bring. Um, I think you as coach are going to get a lot of flack with your position and rejigging if it doesn't happen. Give well, it, give with, us an answer here. With the, uh, I would say maybe a three point in favour of the world champions. Wow! So not only would South Africa destroy the competition if they joined the Six Nations, they would beat the entirety of the rest of the Six Nations. <laughs> says the manager of the team. Together, says <laughs> but, South Africa but, head coach Stephen Green. But would uh, would South Africa beat France at the moment? I don't know. So t- I mean, so basically, the, we've diluted France with this team of the tournament. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Stephen, good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers, guys.